0: Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist, and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. Today, we have one of those surprise guests. Some of you might know him as the Kindlepreneur, but his friends know him as Dave Chesson. Hey, Dave, welcome. Hey, John. Thank you so much for having me. So... Writers the Future is a program that was originally set up by Owen Hubbard to provide that helping hand for the aspiring writer. And then five years later, it was expanded to the, to the aspiring artist. And we're always about trying to find new ways, new tips, new um, suggestions, and always surrounded with encouragement to uh, get yourself uh, published if your objective is to be a writer, whether it's vocationally or avocationally. And you've got an amazing story, which I think a lot of people are going to be very interested to hear. So if you can take a few minutes, first of all, to provide your backstory, which led you to becoming the Kindlepreneur.
1: Sure. Well, in truth, growing up, I never thought of myself uh, capable of ever being an author. I was uh, diagnosed with a a form of dyslexia when I was younger. And I always struggled going through high school and even college uh, writing papers. As a matter of fact, I went into physics as far away from writing as I could, I guess. Um, But the truth of the matter is, is that the desire to write doesn't just leave you because it's hard for you. Right. It's always in there. And for me, later on in my career, I was in the military and uh, they just sent me on another deployment. So, again, I was away from my wife and kids. And my wife and I had this discussion on exactly what is it that I wanted to do with my life? What was my end goal? What did I define as success? And it didn't include the military. I was not looking to be an admiral or anything like that. And so how does somebody on the other side of the world generate some kind of business? Um, And that's when I started looking about online marketing and then I learned about Kindle Direct Publishing and the fact that someone like me on the other side of the world could write a book and have it published on the world's largest book market. Um, So I I took the time to really dig in. And I mean, when I say take the time, I spent every morning uh, from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. devoted to my craft. And I started to uh, work on not only my writing, but also understanding how Amazon works and why Amazon chooses to show one book over another And when I started doing that, I started to understand how I could market myself better and get my books in front of more shoppers. And so to fast forward, I spent years creating these books and I was able to make more money from my author, uh, my authorship and my platform in a way that allowed me to get out of the military and be home full time with my wife and kids uh, writing every day. So it was a really excellent pivot. And I created my website, Kindlepreneur, to chronicle all those things and help teach people uh, how to self-publish their books so that they can um, see a return on their investment, as well as make sure to get their books in the right hands.
0: That's quite a, quite a success story.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a long path.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I believe it, but it's, it's, it validates also that hard work and dedication can achieve a um, a desired result if you really put in the necessary work behind it. Now, one of the things on... Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things now on self-publishing, there's pros and there's cons. I've obviously with Writers of the Future, we have um, just a veritable who's who of science fiction greats as the judges. And they're pretty staunch supporters of the uh, traditional publishing method, going through a publishing house, which is not so much, it doesn't mean publishing house, it means you have an editor, you have someone that uh, makes sure that the story holds all the way through, it's consistent. It's not just that it has no typos or bad grammar, but that it's the story itself is, is solid. So I'd like to address that a little bit. You know, So if a person wants to go and be self-published... You know, what are the, what have you observed are the, some of the pitfalls and some of the things that will help overcome those?
1: Well, actually to kind of, I want to step back a bit and kind of talk about the evolution of self-publishing, especially when it comes to publishers. Um, Years ago, when self-publishing became open, when Amazon created Kindle Direct Publishing, right, the ability for someone to self-publish on the Amazon store a lot of publishing companies really kind of thumbed their nose at self publishers. Um, and, and because the truth is, is that the publishing industry had been uh, established for years and there was a bit of a system and hierarchy. And a lot of times great authors just couldn't get into the right publishing company. And so when Amazon did this, it opened the door for a lot of people who hadn't been able to join into the system to be able to start their own. And I, I think that at that time, A lot of publishing companies really look down on that. Um, However, though, if we fast forward to today, I'm seeing more and more publishing companies take a greater interest in self-published authors. I mean, if you think about it, the the best strategy that a publishing company could do in today's market is to actually look at self-publishers like they're free agents in like baseball, you know? Here are authors who have proven their ability to write a good book, because I mean, you can look at the reviews on Amazon and see that there's like 1400 five-star reviews. Obviously it's a good book. You don't even need to read it. You know it's good enough. You can also see that they have generated a fandom and a following. And so now instead of, as a publisher, guessing that this book is going to reach a market, guessing that you're not gonna have to put in a whole bunch of work to rework it in order to make it marketable or acceptable at a, at a certain standard. Instead, you can look at cell publishers and say, we should bring this person on board and then combine their knowledge and their background with our capability as a publishing company. And I think that is a beautiful synergy. And I think more and more companies are seeing this and they're starting to look at cell publishers as shall we say free agents um, that are out there. So. I think that's a really important part because uh, I would say five years ago, it was like, it felt like to choose to self publish was almost like playing for the JV team. You know, you couldn't get on the varsity team. So you had to go to the JV team. And I think over the years now, as authors have learned how to market and learned about the the systems, they've been able to create a very strong Uh, outcome and return on their investment. So with that said, in today's day, I would say there's a lot of pros and cons to to, to self-publishing. One of the cons, and we'll start with the cons, is you don't have the backing. Like like you said, uh, you do not have a phenomenal book cover creator who knows your genre that's ready to develop something for you. You don't have access to specific editors. You don't have access to formatting. In truth, if you choose to self-publish, you're going to have to learn about those things. You're going to have to find the right book cover designer. You're going to have to find an editor that you you know that understands the components of a good story in your genre. And then you're also going to have to learn a lot of the marketing as well. Now, that being said, though, I will say that regardless of whether or not you are a self-published author or you're a published author, I think it's extremely important that you learn how to market your book anyway. And the reason is, I think one of the biggest letdowns for a lot of published authors is that they go into this saying, I'm just gonna write this great book. And if I can land that publishing deal, I'm gonna be set. And the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of authors fail to realize that when you get published, there's going to be a lot on your plate too to market the book most publishing companies just don't say sweet we're going to take care of this it's going to be amazing you just sit back and enjoy like usually a lot of the publishing companies will come back and say hey great we're expecting you to sell this certain number of copies we're expecting you to do these things here are some ideas why don't you go you know work that um and so there's a lot that does fall on you um where i do see publishing companies basically take a lot of of the action is when they know that 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 author has like a winning ticket. Like, let's face it, if it's Stephen King, Stephen King doesn't need to have to do much. I mean, he's Stephen King. The publishing company will put a lot of money and effort into promoting Stephen King, right? However, though, if you're a new author, uh, I think there's going to be a lot more that's dependent on you. So kind of to recap some of these things is first, self-publishing has really come a long way where it used to be looked down upon. And now it's being seen as an incredible sort of talent pool that publishing companies can look into. However, though, if you are self-publishing, do understand you've got a lot on your plate and there are so many steps. And it's really great when you do have a good publishing team on your side that can help you. But the big thing is, is that you still need to learn marketing because a lot of that's going to fall on your plate.
0: That's amazingly... um I think, perceptive of what it is, and I, I love your analogy to um, free agenting. You take a look at, like, um, Andy Ware, you know, with, uh, I mean, he's, he's like the one super-duper standout success story for self-published authors to make it big, and now the publishers, the, the big houses, are, you know, publishing him. He actually made that, that jump. So from what you do, because you do a lot of consulting to, aspiring writers on how to go from aspiring to an actual author and making money with it. So how do you deal with that point of, of editorial and getting involved with their own self promotion or selling themselves? You know, some people get into, I don't want to sell myself, you know, and my experience is if, if you're not willing to, then don't be willing to, uh, don't be unwilling then to go on, uh, not selling, because it's, it's a new world as, as far as that goes right now. So what advice do you have for writers as far as that, how to, how to make those steps to, for
1: proper editorial and how to find even that? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, when it comes to book marketing, there's thousands of different ways that you can market yourself and your book. And the truth is, is that for most authors, especially a first-time self-published author, my biggest recommendation is choose a couple of things and do them really well. If you try to dabble in everything, you're going to end up getting nothing done or you're going to end up getting nothing done right. And you can end up spinning your wheels and going around in circles and just getting really frustrated with the process. So, I my first my recommendation to a first timer is, hey, you've got to learn how to create a book, write a great book, format a book, publish the book. You know, you've got to do all those things. I would say Make sure to find the right strategies that you want to employ for book marketing, whether that's going the editorial route, whether that's um, you know, learning advertisement, whether that's book promotion sites, a whole bunch of different strategies. But choosing a couple and really making sure you learn how to do them and you apply them. Because most times, and I mean a significant amount of time, the first book you ever create is not gonna be this you know, amazing success. I know there are a lot of people that might be listening and be like, ah, you're killing me, man. But the truth is, is that you're going to learn. And each time you come out with the next book and the next book, your experience and your knowledge and your intuition in the industry will only grow. And I think this is a really important message for anyone because people get into writing a book and they do that first one. And when it doesn't turn out the way that they thought it would, they quit. But when you start talking to these authors, when you talk to Andy, Andy Weir, he'll tell you all the doubt and all all the failures he had before The Martian came out. As a matter of fact, he didn't believe in the book so much so that he wouldn't self-publish it. He actually started putting it for free on a blog chapter by chapter. And it wasn't until people were like screaming at him to do it that he finally did it. There are just so many things that hold back authors. And one thing that really kills the true author career is when the first book comes. You, you spent all this time and energy creating this book and you publish it and it doesn't do what you want and you just kind of give out. I say, learn, see it as a marathon, apply, and don't try to dabble in everything, and you will see much greater success become of it.
0: That's good. Thank you on that. There's uh, one of our judges, Brandon Sanderson, who's now one of the, the best selling fantasy authors in the world. When I spoke to him, this is several years ago, when I was a guest speaker at his uh, creative writing class at Brigham Young University, he said that he had been writing and writing and writing and hadn't sold, and it was when he became a finalist in Writers of the Future that he realized that maybe I shouldn't give up on this stuff. He, maybe it was a joke, maybe it wasn't. He said he was looking at just throwing in the towel and, and becoming a plumber, and it was a few months later that his first novel sold. He'd written six novels and no, no response, no nothing. It was just was going nowhere. And um, so he'd submitted, he's only written a few short stories. So he submitted a short story and was, like I said, became a finalist. And it was that vote of confidence which gave him that, okay, let's, let's stick with it. Let's stick with just a bit longer. And there's several stories like that. And now the contest itself has gotten so large We have thousands of entries every quarter now, but the contest has gotten so large and it's so well known and respected that even when a person can announce that they're a finalist in the contest or a a, a semi-finalist, let alone a winner, that their stories will be taken out of the slush pile. And you know that you've, okay, don't give up, don't quit. Kevin Anderson, one of our judges, boasts himself, he entered the contest 17 times before he Proed out means he became a professional and so didn't qualify anymore. But he he boasts to having the most rejects of anybody. He's got like 700 rejects that he's accumulated, and he still gets rejects. But he still you know has that. But he's one of the highest paid authors right now in the United States. So it's one of those things you've got. You can't have thin skin if you expect to really make it as an author. And some of our judges say, throw away your first million words. I know Elwin Hubbard said that, but so did uh, Jerry Purnell, and I think um, uh, Robert Heinlein, is just, you've got a writer writes. and You've got to write and write and write until you build up your own style and really become a master of that
1: craft. Yeah, and to add to that, too, you know, Brandon Sanderson, um, which, by the way, is my all-time favorite writer. I, I <laughs> am just a giant fan of his. Uh, every book I've ever touched of his, I've just absolutely loved. So, obviously, he learned the craft. But Brandon is now... One of the best marketing geniuses, I think, in in the industry. And because this guy has done so well that he took his uh, Stormlight books, you know, the, The Way of Kings, and he embossed it in this really awesome hardcover, put it on Kickstarter, and it broke records. People were so avid to buy his book that they already read, which is a really awesome cover and some cool designs. That it was millions of dollars in the first 24 hours. Uh, the guy also does Facebook Live uh, when he's signing books. He's talking, and he offered, you know—he does YouTube videos. I am—I haven't talked to to Brandon before, but I'm pretty sure that he would say that that didn't happen on day one. He didn't become some—you know—Facebook Live genius while he was starting his first book. He didn't become. Uh, a guy who can sell millions of dollars in a couple of days on Kickstarter and break records. Um, these all came about from him learning over time. And, and not just with working on the book, but also marketing the book. All those failures in the beginning really just built up better knowledge, better experience. And when you combine knowledge and experience, you get that intuition, you start making some great decisions right from the get go. So I think Brandon is, is, is a perfect story of someone who needed that confidence, worked on his, his writing craft, was a, was a part of a, a great um, award system to help really tell him what he needed to know. And then all those years come by and now all of a sudden, he looks like an overnight success, but it was 10, 20 years in the making. Um, and so I, I really love his story. Now to go back to, to, to publishing versus self-publishing, I think there's another really important message here too for a lot of authors. Um, just because you wrote, a book and it got rejected by publishers does not mean it's a bad book or that you're a bad writer. Uh, There are a lot of cases of people who tried and tried and and failed. Uh, One of my favorites is there was this woman who she she was a single mom. She had a kid and she would travel by train. And while she was on the train, she would outline this book. Then she'd go to this, this coffee shop and she would work on writing this book and writing this book. Finally, she finished it. And she worked really hard and she finally convinced an agent to to try to sell her book around. Well, the agent went to publisher after publisher and they rejected her left and right. They rejected her so hard that she actually changed her name on how she presented it to to the publisher. Finally, and I think it was 11 rejections, finally the publisher or the agent contacts one publisher and says, Look, man, I'm pulling a favor. I really, really want you to look at this book, please. The publisher said, Fine, I'll take a look at it took the first chapter, handed it to his 11 year old daughter and said, here, you read it. Let me know what you think. Girl comes back like 15 minutes later. like, where's chapter two? And he goes, oh, you liked it? And she goes, yeah, where's chapter two? And he looks over at the cover. He's like, hmm, Harry Potter. huh? Maybe I should give this a chance here in this guy's hand is the arguably the biggest moneymaker in recent history. Um, and yet how many publishers rejected it and if she had just stopped or if all of these things hadn't happened on that final acceptance, would Harry Potter be around? Would JK Rowlings be JK Rowlings or would she still be, would she have quit? And and I think that back in the day, there were probably a lot of amazing authors who wrote great books that just never got into the system. And and I hope that JK Rowlings would have then said, all right, I can't get a publishing company to, to believe in what I'm doing. I'm going to take this and I'm going to publish it myself and I'm going to work this and stay with it. And I think that's a really good example of some of what we're seeing and a lot of great authors out there maybe deciding to do the self-publishing route because they can't. And, but it really comes down to your determination and what motivates you to get through this.
0: That's good because the motivation is obviously senior or a senior concern to, because if you don't believe in yourself enough to overcome whatever, why should you expect somebody else to believe in you? But one, thing Absolutely. Too, but one thing, too, that I think authors don't realize, with a number of stories that are coming in to an editor, and I know that Mike Resnick, one of our judges, he recently passed away, but he he talked about the actual editorial perspective of stuff coming in when they're dealing with, with slush. He, he worked out just the, with the amount of stories that come in and the amount of time that there is f- per reader, it came out to like a half a minute per story to decide if it's going to be something they wanted to to continue reading or not to pass on, because there's that Absolutely. much stuff that much stuff that came in, and so if you don't grab somebody at the very at the get go, then you're out of there. Even if like then on page two it's going to be really great or page three it really it really starts taking off, and that's why it's, the editorial aspect of it is so important because it might be great to you, but someone who's not totally immersed in it might kind of go, what does it have to do with anything? It's just, it's just a fun thing. Maybe it was like a, a favorite thing in your life or something that happened that you're now, you know, turning into the opening of your story. But one thing that Dave Farland, our coordinating judge for Writers of the Future, uh, stated was that sometimes, like a, a werewolf story, he'll get three werewolves, they're awesomely written, but he's not going to put three werewolf stories in Writers of the Future volume. He's going to right. put one. So two of them aren't, aren't going to make the cut. They're great stories. They're worthy of being published, but they don't make that cut because we're not going to take three. And that's something that other editors will do too. They're not, we just did this type of a story in our last issue, so we're not going to do another one. So that's another validation to continue to shop your story around to other, to other resources, but also to take it on yourself, you know, as you're saying there, to self-publish it, because it might very well be an awesome story. It's just that the editor that was sent to, I can't use that kind of a story. I've already just done it. So there's an important factor to keep in mind, too, that it's not, it really isn't even anything personal. If it's a good story, it's a good story, but if they're not looking for that, if, if um, a big publishing house, okay, we've just done you know, We've got our epic fantasy now. We've gone from Robert Jordan, now we've got Brandon Sanderson, and that's who we do um, in terms of that type of story. I'm not looking for another Brandon Sanderson. I've already got him. I need somebody else now. You know, I need you know, Andy Ware with his next thing, or whoever's going to be the next Andy Ware. Um, so that's one thing that people have to look at as well is if you really believe in, in what you're doing, you need to believe in it so much so that you don't give up. You keep on persisting. You don't give up your day job, obviously, but you keep on persisting until you do make it. And it's not necessarily, well, I wrote my story and they don't want my story. Well, you have to keep on writing. A writer has to write, you know. So um, there is that aspect of it as well that your first story isn't necessarily going to be the, the story that slays the audience out there. It might take a couple till you build up your own um particular style or ability to tell a story that people are going to go, wow, that's way cool. I love the way you, you create, you know, the, uh, the environment, the setting, the, the, uh, the heroine or the hero or your antagonist. So that requires just a lot of practice. And that goes back to one of your original comments that you got to work. It, it, it's not something that's going to come. You have to really work it.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I've been really blessed. I've worked with a bunch of publishing companies here in Nashville. Um, I've sat in on some of the uh, processes that they use, and and you're absolutely right. Like most editors do not have the capability to sit down and read a book. Okay? <laughs> most of the time, they're really reading you know the first couple of paragraphs and making a decision on whether or not it's going to be looked at further. But what I've seen a lot of publishing companies start to do now is they're like you kind of mentioned, is, is that they're they're looking at what tropes are hot. Uh, what genres are picking up, you know, great. Yeah, we got the Brandon Sanderson, but right now lit RPG is going off like crazy. We want lit RPG books. Uh, Imagine what would have happened in a lot of publishing companies uh, after Twilight came out, right? How many, oh, if you just sent in a vampire romance, you know, you you probably would have gotten signed whether or not, you know, you read it. Uh, Sometimes the hot market is, is a major factor in whether or not publishing companies will really give your book another look or not. Another thing, too, is I've started to see that more and more publishing companies are looking at the accolades or the legitimacy of the author. Uh, For example, uh, maybe, you know, hey, if this author has been an award winner like, you know, Writers of the Future, then obviously we kind of know that they can write. Now let's look at whether this book fits our agenda. Um, The other thing that I've seen may be a really big factor for uh, publishing companies is how big is that author's email list? You know, would you rather invest if you have two books and you're not really sure which one you want to go with, but author A has 30,000 email subscribers and author B has no one? I mean, you're going to check, you're going to select author A, right? Because you know that this person has a following. You know that that person can use that email list to promote their book, which means more sales for you. Uh, So, social following, email list, uh, awards, uh, accolades. Uh, sources, so like if they've been quoted by editorial reviews in the past, uh, previous sales data, these are all coming in into just the selection process, and <laughs> most of the time become a gatekeeper as to whether or not the book even makes it to the editor. So it, it's true. A lot of publishing companies are really trying to find more effective and efficient manners in which to select the right author at that time. And uh, sometimes, like like we've said, maybe you submitted that third werewolf book and if you just if that had happened a year ago let me tell you you'd been fine but right now that book isn't what this publishing company is looking for or that this judge is wanting um, so keeping with it and I, I love the fact that we now have self-publishing as an outlet for some of those authors uh, it could be the place that you start you could choose to stay there um, but there are a lot of great options and I think both authors and publishers are really adapting to the times to help. Sort of meet the new challenges as well as benefit from a lot of the things that the online world is affording uh, the writing community. I absolutely
0: agree with that. Now, was it last year you came out to the Writers of the Future workshop, or was it year? Yes, before? sir. Well, year before. Year before. So, what was it about Writers of the Future that made? Because you were very vocal about wanting to, you know, contribute your two cents worth on this because of of uh, what you knew about the, about the competition, about what was created on, on the writers of the future. So what was it about that, that you were so um, enamored with that you really wanted to come out and obviously we were anxious to get you to, to come out and speak to the winners.
1: Well, first things first. I mean, the people that you have there, the judges are just, I mean, we're talking top of the line. uh, Some of the best authors Um, I got to meet Orson Scott card and learn and listen to him. And he is, An amazing writer as well as an amazing person. Uh, The second thing is, is that there are so many great writers that have come out of Writers of the Future, like the the winners, the finalists sitting there, I wouldn't be surprised if many of them become household names. And so being able to help people who have proven their capability of writing and being great writers, uh, I think is just an amazing opportunity as well. So you combine phenomenal teachers as well as, you know, we'll call it that sensational rookie class all together in one spot. And it, I don't want to be cliche here, but we really are talking about the writers of the future. And I think that's an important area to really focus on. So it was a real honor to be able to come in and listen as well as to be able to teach.
0: That's great. Thank you. Just, you made that one comment about the, uh, you know, the judges themselves and how many writers would re- result as a result of winning the, um, the competition. I'm just going through the, the judges we have right now. We got Kevin Anderson, he entered 17 times before he proed out, um, but he's one of the best selling authors right now in the United States. Uh, Doug Beeson was a finalist. Greg Benford, um, he's a founding judge. So he's been a judge for all 38 years now. Orson Scott Card has been a judge, for, I think, for 36 years. David Farland as Dave Wolverton. He was the grand prize winner for Volume 3. Eric Flint was uh, first place winner, I think it was in Volume 9. Uh, Brian Herbert wasn't part of the contest um, as a finalist or anything, but he took following the footsteps as, of his dad, uh, Frank Herbert, who wrote Dune. And uh, so after he passed away, um, then we brought on Brian as as a judge. Nina Kareke Hoffman, she was uh, published in Volume 1 and has been a judge for... I don't know, 30 years. Nancy Kress, um, she was very familiar with the contest. It was She was already a, an established writer at the, at the outset. Kathleen Kurtz with her Durini series. She's out in your neck of the woods. Totally loves the competition. Todd McCaffrey took over after his mom, uh, Ann McCaffrey, who became a judge in volume two and judge until she passed. Rebecca Mesta, that's uh, Kevin Anderson's wife. Larry Niven um, is... Uh, is a judge since the beginning and he's uh just an amazing supporter of the, of the competition obviously he's been writing a lot longer than the 37 years or 38 years of the contest jody lynn nye um she's been a judge now for half a dozen years and she's she wrote a lot with Anne McCaffrey caffrey has done i mean she's got many many uh novels and and uh partnerships that she's done with writing novels uh, neddy corfor she was published in i think volume 19 and is now one of the hottest authors out there right now Tim Powers, was, uh, he's been a judge since in the first half a dozen or so books and um, just a staunch, rep- staunch uh, supporter of it. Chris Rush, she was in volume. Uh, she was at the first workshop, first Writers of Future workshop, way back so many years ago. And uh, Brandon Sandis, like I said, he's a judge now. He was a finalist. Robert J. Sawyer entered, I think he said, seven or eight times before he proed out. Um, Robert Silverberg is a founding judge. Dean Wesley Smith—he was the first person to walk across the, um, um, the stage to be presented an award back in Volume One. And Sean Williams—I think he was Volume 15 or 14—that he was a winner, and he's now the, one of the top science fiction writers in Australia. So those are our judges, and a lot of um, you know Pat Rothfuss is a very popular fantasy writer. And everybody's hoping for Volume Three to come out one of these um, days sooner rather than later. But he was a first place winner um, at the same year as with Nettie Akorfor. So we've we've got a lot of, of, very successful writers right now that that got that first bit of encouragement. Um, Joe Black uh, was a finalist. I talked to him last year at a convention. He talked about he had entered the contest and became a finalist. He's doing quite well, obviously Stephen King's son. So it's it's a, a it's a program that has really proven itself out, and the judges are are so adamant about supporting it because it is it's blind judging so it's it levels the playing field so no matter what your age your nationality your you know your sexual um preference or your just sexual identity um religion it none of that stuff matters it's only based upon the um merit of your story that you're going to win they don't they see a number in the story that's all the judges will see and then once the number comes back to us with that story, then we know who, what, when, where, and all that stuff about that story is. So it's, it's really an amazing program that has opened up a lot. And we've got, uh, got entrants from 100, over 175 countries and winners from about 60 countries between both competitions, writers and illustrators. And um, it's just it's amazing. If you take a look at the last volume, the art in it, it's, there's such different types of art because we've got a winner from Vietnam, one from Iran, uh, from England. We've had winners from all types of countries, and because of their art forms, y- you can see that, wow, this is different. And this year we've got another winner from Iran, Interesting enough, we were able to get some media happening in there that um, created more people um, doing it. We had a, a winner from Turkey. So it's something that everybody can get in there and, and do it, And um, that's why I'm really anxious to be able to speak with you on this podcast because of the fact that, you know, you need that encouragement. You need that like, okay, keep on going. There's no no quick route. You've got to do the work to get it. You did your thing from 4 to 7 in the morning for three years or however many years it was to be able to get your your base properly set up to be able to uh, have a platform with which to build. And it's the same thing with other writers, too. You've got to keep on working it and working it and working it. You know, your first story you toss, and then your the next story, then you toss, and then your next story, then now you've got something. So with respect to the Kindlepreneur now, um, now I know you've got a whole array of services that you offer. So what is it for someone who's just starting off and they want to go the self-publishing route? What would you recommend as, as a, a line of
1: approach? Well, I think one thing that's really important is if you do go to kindlepreneur.com, up at the top, we have a thing that says "Start Here," and if you click on that, it will give you a layout of all the steps that you would need to take, in order from coming up with the book, writing the book, publishing the book, and then marketing the book. And you can see that right there; it's got everything listed for you to learn. So I think that's a great resource for somebody just getting started. And be sure to check that out. And if anybody has any questions that's listening to this, uh, just hit me on the content form there
0: uh, and I love to reply okay that's great so now some other stuff that we've not really um, discussed which is now how do you build a presence you know I realize you've got course of this but in as an overview how do you build a presence because you're you specialize in Amazon Kindle and um, then you talk about you need to build a social presence itself which would be Facebook Twitter Instagram um, could be YouTube, could be, um, I don't know that TikTok is going to sell you a lot of books, but, you know, the different uh, formats. So what are some of the, the basic things you got to do that you you know, in terms of establish a presence?
1: Well, I think one thing for authors to not do is, is try to be in all of them. Um, and I'd say choose the one that you're most comfortable with. Uh, that is, you know, so if you love Facebook, then you really do that because when you have an, a, an affinity for a social media platform, you understand it better and you're going to do it better than if it's one where you're like, oh, this Instagram that I never use, I should, I should establish a, an existence on that. Like that's, that's where we were talking about like dabbling and not getting anything out of it. So that's one thing. But I think the most important thing that an author, especially self-published author should, should really focus on is actually getting email subscribers. Um, you know, setting up in your book that here's an opportunity for them to subscribe to your newsletter. Or, hey, if you subscribe to my newsletter, I'll send you the the prelude to this book, the secret prelude that's not out there. Um, And you will have a lot of people who will be very interested sign up and then get another section of your book uh, to enjoy. And when you do that, you now have the ability to directly reach out to people who have enjoyed your books And that gives you power so that later on as you grow and that email list grows, if you do decide to do YouTube or Facebook Live like Brandon does, you can send out an email and get people to show up for it. And if you're really doing a good job, they're gonna enjoy and stay and again, a new platform will grow. So I'm a really big fan of email because it is by far the most proactive and you get to control the list. Uh, You never know what Facebook or Instagram or any of those are ever gonna do. So I'm just gonna put that last push Email is a really good thing, and uh, the number of subscribers is also something that publishers care about too. So,
0: okay, that's good. And then, um, have you? Do you have any
1: particular advice as regards Goodreads? Goodreads is is uh, good in the fact that well, first off, it's owned by Amazon itself, and um, it can, it's kind of like social media for book lovers, which is really cool. But I would 100% recommend to somebody that if you're looking to really get involved in book in Goodreads, you really need to make sure you know how to operate in the Goodreads community without coming across as spamming. Uh, because if you come in there and you're all like marketing, 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 uh, the Goodreads community will like kick you out, you know, um, run you out of town, or or you know those sorts of things. So. <laughs> It really is one of the, it's kind of like Reddit. Anybody ever who's been on Reddit, you don't show up to Reddit on the first day and start talking about stuff. Like you want to understand Reddit a bit before you really dig in. I would say Goodreads is is one of those where, yeah, if you really understand and live and thrive and are a part of the Goodreads community, then you'll probably do a great job when you start to use the tools that Goodreads has and work uh, to build your book and your platform on Goodreads. But if you show up on day one, you start trying to sell, uh, may the force be with you.
0: <laughs> now on, on Amazon, I know that authors will have an author page. Is that, is that something a person's just immediately, okay, I've got my, I've got my short story. I'm going to build an author page. At what point is that, does that become an important thing that you need to have as an author, is having an author page? Because there's a bit of a, you know, it's like a badge, you know, here's my badge as an author. I've got an author page on Amazon. How does it fit into the grand scheme?
1: I think I think it's really important, especially since it's really easy to set up. Uh, you can set up your Amazon author page or your Author Central account in uh, less than ten minutes. And when you set that up, now your 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 book that is on Amazon has a bunch of things that you can now add. Like for example, they can click on the author name, and it takes to your author page. Uh, there's more information about the author uh, that shows up on your, your book sales page on Amazon. You can also put editorial reviews. Um, and all those things are very easy to create and they just add so much more to your sales page on Amazon. So for only 10, 10 or 15 minutes, you know that is so well worth it. So I would say to any author who publishes something on Amazon, immediately turn to Author Central, start up your account, create your author page and start putting in uh, you know the about the author or the editor reviews, and all those other things, because it just makes your book that more legitimate, as well as helps people to decide on whether or not to buy your book.
0: That's great. I just wanted to uh, establish that. Now, quickly going back to the point you're making about emails. So I don't have my book out yet. So I can't say, you know, sign up for my email list. So I can then send you my newsletter. How, How does one start, you know, so like you're you want to become an author. You've got some. You know, you've got a short story you've done, or you've got your something. What, what, what's your next step? You know, with that to start building a list.
1: Well, the key is is that maybe on the first on the first book you ever publish, you're probably not going to have an email list, right? Um, unless you're popular for something you do. Uh, if I had a blog and I was writing about you know DIY recipes, you know, or things like that and I write a book on DIY recipes, then I can use my author email list uh, in order to promote the book. But let's pretend you don't have those things, you don't have that following. On the first book you create, you're probably not gonna have much of an email list at all. Uh, But the important thing is, is that if you set up inside your book that there's an opportunity for people to click a link and then sign up, or hey, I'll send you some extra recipes uh, if you sign up for this, or here's my special favorite that I, you know, make for my spouse on their birthday. Um, Then what's amazing about that is that you're going to start collecting emails for the book you just published. And let me tell you, when you go to publish the second book or the third book, all of those emails you collected from the first one really help to build. And if you start doing this, you're going to see this step up system where each book becomes easier and easier to market because you have more and more people who you've collected. If you don't put that in your first book, you're going to lose out on all those first time readers and you will never be able to reach back out to them and bring them to your second book or your third and your fourth and so forth. Uh, there is also a lot of benefits that you can, can get from the email list. Like, for example, I like to set up in my autoresponder system uh, that there's always a, an email that's sent out automatically to somebody after, say, I think it's like the 10th day, uh, just asking to see what they thought about the book. And if they haven't, please go leave a review on Amazon. Here's a link. Um, and it will take them straight to where they can leave the review. I found that my reviews not only increased, but that my review grades increased dramatically as well because I have more and more. If you're on my email list and you finish the book, you probably like my book. But most people either at the time can't leave the review or they forgot or they don't think about it. And that email, that one single email right there has really helped with just gaining a lot more, uh, shall we say, fan favorite reviews, which is really important for future sales as well.
0: Thank you. Now, in the 30s and 40s, Elmore Hubbard was one of the most popular writers of American fiction through uh, Pulp Fiction, and he also wrote a lot of essays that were published in uh, writing magazines of the of the day. We don't really have so much that anymore, as we have. Um, you mentioned Reddit, and there's also uh, blogs. So, translating what he did then, that really establish even further to an audience for his storytelling what about blogs of today is that something that's important for for an author to have to to have a platform to to share their what they're doing I know Neil Gaiman stated that when he came to the United States because he was pretty much really big in the UK and he was nowhere in the United States and he said that was his it was his journal that really made it for him um, his debut a success and turn him into a best, a New York times bestselling author was through his journal. He, he kept a, a daily journal that people would follow. So what do you have to say about that type of stuff?
1: There are definitely a lot of writing apparatuses or opportunities that are out there. Um, there's things like medium.com where anybody can write and post, um, you know, Benjamin P Hardy built up his uh, author career um, just creating articles on medium and then having people sign up. Matter of fact, I think he had like a 200,000 email subscriber list before he wrote his first book. And needless to say his books have gone done very well. There's just a lot of different ways. Uh, it's interesting is, is that back in back in the 1930s or so, there were only certain things you could do. I would say today there's even more opportunities that you can, uh, it'd have been very interesting to, to see what Al uh, Ron Hubbard would have chosen if, if he were starting off right now in the digital age. Um, but I want to say that there's one particular answer. Um, I think a lot of it kind of comes down to, to what you're looking for. I think with the ability to directly self-publish your book on the world's largest uh, book market, I think really just focusing on, on creating the content there is definitely a really good bang for your buck. Uh, but like I said, there are other opportunities or systems that you can use, like Medium uh, comes to mind, Squidoo, back in the day. Um, I know there's a whole bunch more, but I'm kind of blanking out on That's fine. But I think that to the,
0: to your point is if you get yourself dabbling in so many things, you're going to have a little bit of everything, which gives you a lot of nothing ultimately. Exactly. So you found success on like zeroing in on Amazon and using all those tools and features to, to build a successful career. And I know when I look at your website, you have your, you know, next to number of cup of coffees is the daily income. Okay, good. Or the, your routine income. And I went, Okay, that's worth that amount of coffee. You know, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. it for other people too.
1: Well, and here's the other thing is, is that if I had spent all my time just uh, not writing my books and instead just trying to write an article or hope to go viral or, you know, maybe I needed that in order to write my books, I probably wouldn't be making that much money uh, that I am now. At some point, an author really just needs to sit down and write that book. And, you know, like, like you said before, if you got to throw away your first million words, then you throw it away. Yeah. Uh, but you're going to learn and you're going to get better. And if you're determined to do it and you have a real reason, and this isn't just a hobby, you're going to get there. Uh, whether it's a million words or two million words for everybody, it's a different amount of words that they have to write. But for most, you'll find out it's always a lot.
0: Exactly. And there is a definite tool that every aspiring writer has, which is the uh, writers and illustrators of the feature competitions that um, – is there for the aspiring newcomer that really wants to be able to make it. And it's just, there's so many different success stories from this. We even had a review recently from um, one of our library publications that said that writers of the future is the single largest medium for people to, to break into the uh, writing world of science fiction and fantasy. And so that's that's something that we're very proud of, but that's, it's proven we've got all these different things we've got. You know, Obviously, this podcast is one of the different tools, and I'm, I'm sure people are going to love what you have to say, but we also have our forum, we have our blog, we have our online writing workshop, and then obviously we have the website itself with, with the links to um, go in and enter the writing contest or the art contest, and that's writersthefuture.com. But for people to find out about you, can you please give me once again all the ways that they can contact you and, and learn about what we've been talking about here?
1: Well, uh, if you go to kindlepreneur.com, uh, you can either, there's about me page, but hit me up on that contact page and I'll be more than happy to answer any questions anybody has.
0: That's great. And that's on regular web. And then they, they go to Amazon at all to find you, or is it just, just the kindlepreneur.com and that takes it, you take it from there.
1: Yeah, you can go to kindlepreneur and take it from there. And that way you can find whatever it is you're looking for. Uh, and again, just reach out to me. and i will be more than happy to answer.
0: That's great. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I'm, I'm really ha- happy we've had this chance. Uh, Ashley had her phone call last week, and she said, how about let's have a chat? You know, so this is definitely going to pay off. I'm so appreciative of the, your taking the time to chat with me.
1: Well, and again, thank you for having me here. It's a real honor.
0: And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Writers of the Future podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. Writers and illustrators of the future are contests created by L. Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me here.